To me, fall almost feels more like the new year than the new year does. Anybody else ever? Maybe it was because I was married to a teacher for so long. And, um, but I love this season, and I think it's a great time for us to continue our series on emotional health. Last week, Pastor Emily talked about the mark of spiritual and emotional health being, oh, you, do you remember? What was the mark of spiritual and emotional health? Take a guess. Love. <laughs> do you remember now? <laughs> okay, I'll keep reminding you. Okay. She challenged that assumption that because we are loved by Jesus, that we by default love like Jesus. She said that you cannot easily separate emotional health and spiritual maturity. An emotionally healthy person knows who they are and who they are not. They understand their weaknesses and their limits. Our goal as disciples of Jesus is to become more and more like Jesus and to become a person whose life is infused and marked by love. I think it will be helpful here to restate that affirmation that we said last week. So let's say this together. No part of this series is an open door to examine the maturity of another believer. Right? I don't know about you, but I'm often tempted when I hear a good sermon or read a good book. Oh, so-and-so really needs to hear this. Anybody but me do that? <laughs> And even when I'm kind of convicted by a sermon or a book, often I'm, I'm content with information and not transformation. And the Apostle Paul said that our goal is to be being transformed into the image of Christ. Someone has said we prefer insight to change. So... Would you stop with me for a moment and let's invite the Holy Spirit to shine the light of truth into our hearts this morning. Spirit of God, one of your jobs is to spotlight Jesus, to show us who he is and how to be more like him. So as we examine the practice of Sabbath this morning, I pray that you would speak to our hearts about the condition of our own restless souls, our own anxious and over-processed and over-busy souls. Pray that you would give us your spirit to guide us, give us discernment and wisdom as we examine your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. i got to be completely honest with you. The subject of Sabbath is one I'm still learning and wrestling with. For some of you, the Sabbath, that word Sabbath, might conjure up uh, some conflicting emotions. You might have grown up in a very legalistic church that had a very strict set of rules around your Sunday practices or your Saturday practices. Or maybe you had a relative who took Sabbath so seriously that they sucked all the joy out of the day. <laughs> According to the website, My Jewish Learning, Shabbat, or Sabbath, is meant to be a day of peace 
It offers us a chance for peace with nature, with society, and with ourselves. The prohibitions on work are designed to make us stop if only for one day a week our relentless efforts to tame, to conquer, to subdue the earth and everything on it. And the prohibition against making fire, which is found in Exodus 35, is also said by the rabbis to mean that one should not kindle the fires of controversy against one's fellow humans. Wow. Imagine if everybody on one day stopped kindling the fires of controversy. Wouldn't that be a great day? He goes on to say, and finally, Sabbath offers us a moment of quiet, of serenity, of self-transcendence, a moment that allows us to seek and perhaps achieve a kind of internal peace. Pete Scazzaro, who Pastor Emily mentioned last week, says that Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate or worship God. So put it in more concise terms, it's a day we stop, rest, delight, and worship. Does that sound good to you? Sounds good to me. But let's talk for just a minute about work, shall we? I know, that's a dirty word. But work is part of God's intended purpose for us. We were created in his image, and he worked, and we work. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Work was built into our human nature. We're created to do the work that God intended for us. Work gives our life meaning and purpose. But as with much of God's good creation, the fall or sin took something God intended for our good and our flourishing and turned it into something negative and exhausting and something that we begin to kind of hate. The laundry we washed yesterday, I don't know what happens to it. It's like it multiplies in the laundry basket, right? The dishes we did yesterday or the food we cooked yesterday has to be done again today. The weeds in the garden, anybody garden in here? What happens when you let weeds go for more than a day or so? It's just like they invited their friends and had a party or something, right? There's always another fire to put out or problem to solve or job that needs to be done. Can be kind of depressing, really, when you think about it. And yet, God has given us this way to uh, to mitigate that relentless cycle of endless work by giving us a pattern of rest and work that creates space for margin and for rest. God created us to do good work, and that gives us meaning, as I said, and purpose, and leaves us with a sense of satisfaction. But much of that satisfaction depends on us working from a place of rest to work. So we rest, we, we work out of our rest, not to rest. And I think uh, maybe as Americans, maybe it's a worldwide phenomenon, I don't know, but we have things kind of backwards. TGIF, you heard that, that little acronym? Thank God it's Friday. It's like we're just pushing through the, the week, week, weekend. We get to the weekend. Hooray, the weekend. 
So what do we do with our weekends? We fill them with more work, right? A day off from our normal work day is a day that we pay bills and mow the lawn and clean the house and shop and party and do all kinds of other things. We binge watch Netflix or lay around and watch sports all day. Sometimes the weekend uh, gives us, exhausts us more and we leave more tired than when we started. How many times have you just been filled with dread and anxiety on a Sunday evening before it's time to start the next day, the work week. Anybody but me? I used to lay awake on Sunday nights. A day off or a weekend is not a Sabbath. Before it was ever a command, Sabbath was a gift. Did you ever stop to think that human beings' first day on the planet after God created them was a day of rest? Genesis 2, 1 through 3 says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was a day when he rested from all his work of creation. Who was included in that day of rest? All of creation's including human beings. It's as if God said, here you go, look at this beautiful world I've made. I've got work for you to do, but first let's just sit back and enjoy it and enjoy each other. When we work from a place of restedness, we demonstrate our dependence on God and our identity, not from the work we do, which is often our default, but first of all, as his beloved creation. So you might wonder, is Sabbath still applicable for us today? Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, it's kind of right smack in the middle, and it's the longest of all of the commandments. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God modeled for us a rhythm, that rhythm of work and rest. Both are good. He blessed the seventh day. He made it a day of delight and rest and celebration. doesn't sound anything like the Sabbath we have in our heads, right? Those Pharisees back in Jesus' day that had such a uh, limiting strict set of rules that it just, it, it was confining. But God created it to be a day of celebration, and he made it holy. Sabbath is meant to be different, and it's made to set us apart as different. God's all-powerful. He lacks nothing. He didn't need to rest. He wasn't tired. Yet rest is what he did when he finished his work of creation. The rest of Sabbath says, that's enough for now. The rest of Sabbath indicates a satisfaction with work done. It was like God's contented sigh 
at a job well done. But it doesn't mean that God never worked again. In fact, when the religious leaders criticized Jesus for healing on the Sabbath and counting it as work, he responded, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I, too, am working. Walter Brueggemann, who wrote the book Sabbath as Resistance, says that divine rest on the seventh day of creation has made clear that God is not a workaholic, that God is not anxious about the full functioning of creation and that the well-being of creation does not depend on endless work. Sabbath is a resistance to that produce-consume slavery of our culture. So what are we actually commanded to do in regards to Sabbath? We're commanded to remember from the message Deuteronomy 5.15 says, don't ever forget that you were slaves in Egypt and God, your God, got you out of there in a powerful show of strength. That's why God, your God, commands you to observe the day of Sabbath rest. When God freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, he not only singled them out as his chosen nation, but he also set them free from the idolatry of the gods of Egypt and the surrounding culture. The gods of the pagan world required endless production, endless work that could never be satisfied. Yahweh, our God, is different in his very nature. By setting up this rhythm of rest and work, he commanded us to demonstrate that we are different, that we are reliant completely on him. Sabbath isn't a way to earn the love or favor of God. It's his gift to us. So what do Sabbath practices look like for us in modern days? This is a day to remember, to rest, to restore our souls, not a day to add another list of rules and restrictions. It's not a day of legalism. It's a day of freedom, contrary to a life of slavery to work or to religious piety. It's not just a day to stop working. It's a day to stop one thing so that we can do something else, something better, something more life-giving, something like rest, recreation, joy, worship, celebrating, feasting, being present to the people that we're with. Think of it. Um, sometimes we, have, we are not going to define Sabbath by the things that we can't do, that list of restrictions, right? We're going to define it by the things that we can do, the, the kind of day that when you get to the end of the day, you can say, that was a really good day, or that was a very fun day. Last Sunday uh, was our granddaughter's 15th birthday, and her request was that we have a family party at our house. So after worship here on Sunday morning, everybody, all 21 or 22 of us, <laughs> showed up at our house, which meant that I was working. But I was not doing my normal work. I was doing something that I enjoyed. I made a birthday cake that she requested, a strawberry shortcake cake, and it was delicious. 
we feasted and enjoyed being together, and we filled up our garbage can with paper plates and plastic utensils, and then everyone pitched in and helped clean up the kitchen, and then they all left. And in spite of the fact that there were a few things left on the counters, I turned off the light and laid down and took an hour nap. It was a great day. Maybe not a normal Sabbath day, but a really good one. So to Sabbath, to truly Sabbath, means to cease your usual work or your paid work, maybe. Sabbath doesn't mean no work. So think of it this way. Do you work with your hands during the week? Are you a construction worker or a housekeeper or do any kind of physical labor? Then rest from that. Do something like napping or playing a game or reading. You could maybe even watch sports if that doesn't stress you out when your team loses. Okay. I've seen that happen. I, although screens in general, I think maybe would do us all some good to put them away for a day. You might want to pre-select some really emotionally powerful movie that would inspire you. Something like that. Anything that's not physically demanding of you. So do you work with your head most of the week? Are you an accountant or an engineer or a computer programmer? Then put away those screens for crying out loud. Do something that involves your hands and your body. Maybe get out and work in the garden if that gives you joy. Take a hike. Get outdoors. Play a game. Invite people over for coffee or snacks or a campfire. The point is to do something on your Sabbath that breaks that endless cycle of productivity and work. As I was thinking about this, even though we never called it Sabbath, I think my parents modeled what a good Sabbath looked like. Saturday nights, we all kind of powered down. We, uh, my mom would put my hair in pin curls. Anybody remember that ridiculous torture? <laughs> We got to bed a little earlier. My dad, who worked for PUD all of his life, worked very hard physically, would get up early because the cow still needed to be milked. But then he would clean up and get dressed in his Sunday clothes, and he fixed breakfast, and he did the dishes, giving my mom a chance to do something different. Then we went to church together, and we had a good, nice family meal, and then he laid down and read a little bit, and napped, and then very often we'd pile in the car and take a nice leisurely Sunday drive, a completely different kind of day than his normal work day. Does that make sense? So I, I've wondered, though, you know, what do parents do that have babies? Babies don't take a break. <laughs> Their diapers still need to be changed. They still need to be fed. Can a young parent break that cycle? Um, maybe, again, start by unplugging. I did a little research about our addiction to uh, technology, to our phones in particular. Do you know that the average person looks at, touches their phone 144 times a day? That's, that's a lot. And we do it without even thinking about it. It's in our pocket on the table. It's just so easy to even just pick it up to look at what time it is. What if we, as young parents particularly, but this goes for all of us, what if we put our phone in the other room for a day? I know most of us don't have landlines anymore, so it's not really practical to completely turn it off, but what if we just chose an hour 
to turn it off or silence it. Something to think about. So young parents, don't stress about the toys on the floor for one day. Don't worry about whether your kids ate healthy for one day, just one day. Just relieve that stress. How about teenagers? Probably wouldn't go over really well if you all of a sudden decide we are going to have a Sabbath and put a bunch of parameters on that. But maybe you as mom and dad can model that. Put your phone away again. Read a book. Invite them to play a board game or go someplace fun together. Go out for ice cream. Don't nag them about their room or their homework for one day. As I was thinking about myself and the stage of life that we're in and how many of us are in that stage of retirement, well, well, we don't need to take a day off work because we're off work, right? You know that the word retirement is only used once in the Bible, but it is there. Listen to what it says in Numbers chapter 8. The Lord said to Moses, this applies to the Levites. Men 25 years old or more shall come to take part of the work at the tent of meeting, but at the age of 50, they must retire from their regular service and work no longer. They may assist their brothers in performing their duties at the tent of meeting, but they themselves must not do the work. Notice it doesn't say quit work and go sit in a rocking chair or quit work and go sit on the beach sipping little drinks with umbrellas in them or golf your days away. It says to take a step back from the work itself, but use it as an opportunity to be a resource and an assistant to those doing the work. It's a time where we have the time that we maybe didn't have during our working years to really focus on our relationship with God. Maybe take a class or do a, an in-depth Bible study. Maybe we could model to the younger generation what a life of spiritual maturity, not just chronological age, looks like. What if we used our retirement years to encourage and mentor or younger workers. Retirement can be a kind of a continual Sabbath, and that is a gift. I couldn't help but think about, though, the people who are working two or three jobs just to make ends meet. The thing about Sabbath is it's not meant to be a me day. It's not about your own personal rest. It's about the community. So those of us who maybe do have the freedom to take an entire day off from rest and work. What could we do to help or assist families maybe that don't have that privilege by buying them some extra groceries or inviting them over for dinner or just giving them our support some, in some ways? You know, like when we go out for dinner on Sunday afternoon, I have heard from servers that they hate Sunday. Of all the days of the week, they hate Sunday because the Christians come to their restaurant after church and they don't tip and they're very demanding don't let that be true of us those people are working on this a day that we call sabbath so let's be generous tip generously be kind um, it's a way for us to help those who maybe can't take that day off like we can and give them some rest too so here's a challenge for us Honestly, I, I don't know one person personally who actually takes a day off that they call Sabbath. Do any of you? 
You do. Good. Good for you. So where do we start, or do we even start? I don't find any compelling evidence in the New Testament that Sabbath is a command, a strict observance for Sabbath. All of the other commandments, all other nine, are restated somewhere in the New Testament as an actual command. But Sabbath keeping is not, though we see people keeping the Sabbath. That being said, I think wisdom teaches us that we need to acknowledge our limits and our need for rest. So why wouldn't we try it? Our goal, as Pastor Emily shared last week, is to become a person who truly loves as Jesus loves. And I don't know about you, but when I'm tired or overextended, I'm not a very loving person. (laughs) Pastor Mark Comer says that we should start where we are, not where we should be. We might have this fantasy idea of a day of rest in our minds. It looks more like a spa day than a Sabbath. Again, Pastor Mark Comer says, the end goal of Sabbath is not to say, I practice Sabbath. It's to become a person who is marked by an inner spirit of restfulness, who's calm, kind, grounded in your own body and at ease, not in a hurry, but present to each moment, grateful and living in the goodness of God. In other words, a person who's like Jesus. So as the worship team comes back and we'll have a moment of reflection, I want you to consider maybe one small change that you can make, even if it's just in your thinking. Maybe turn off your screens for a little bit or read a good book. Go for a walk. Take a nap. Don't look at the news or listen to the news for one whole day. Hmm. Imagine what that would do for your spirit. Remember, stop, rest, delight, and worship.